Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Quite a lot of news to get to. Um, news that reverberates around the world because of its seriousness, obviously with Ukraine, Russia, that whole situation. Then news that has gotten a lot of attention because it was quite unexpected the slap scene around the world on the oscars last night of will smith honestly one of my favorite actors and chris rock play and i will discuss really the reaction to that we will not uh go too deep into the the ins and outs we'll talk about that in a little bit there's a lot happening though right now that we want to bring to your attention uh we'll we'll dive into in a moment here biden's speech in warsaw over the weekend and Biden's poll numbers, which just keep showing this weakness. And now it's almost April, folks. Democrats are starting to get that. Oh, my gosh, we are heading to electoral devastation recognition, which we must achieve this. We must get there. As Clay said, Clay, what's your preferred term? A is it a, a, a butt-kicking, an annihilation a, of biblical portions? What are we talking about? I like about? all those. A reckoning, uh, I a feel reckoning? like, sounds like a, little bit, uh, a little bit biblical. It has to be an unprecedented destruction of, uh, of democratic ideals because this is your referendum on COVID, on lockdowns, on kids in masks. You have to send a message, and there have to be consequences. On that issue of lockdowns? Also have news breaking that Shanghai, city of over 20 million people, I was there a few years back, it's stunning how large and just how much is going on in that place, in a lockdown right now because of COVID. That's right. Two years in, the second largest city in China is in a lockdown over COVID. So we'll discuss how that is going. Plus, uh, Ginny Thomas apparently going to be subpoenaed. Clarence Thomas, uh, Supreme Court Justice Thomas's wife, subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. A billionaire minimum tax proposal in the Biden budget. They're going to start playing the class warfare card as much as they can, especially as we get closer here to uh, tax day. And uh, then we got some other things, some fun stuff to talk about. E-scooters, bracket challenges. Biden speech in uh, Warsaw over the weekend in, in Poland. Uh, it was pretty standard. There was nothing about it that would have stuck out to anybody uh, as he spoke in Saturday on Warsaw, until he said off the cuff, remember, he went off script on this one. Here he is saying something that got a lot of eyebrows raised and a lot of people's uh, anxiety spiked. Play it. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principles, hope and light of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. This man, meaning Putin, Clay, cannot remain in power. A among the highest concerns of those of us, and I would put myself in this camp, in this mindset, who do not want the U.S. Uh, dragged into a military conflict, regime change 
That's something we've learned over 20 years now comes with a very high price tag and a lot of risks. The White House and the State Department have walked back these comments, but just a stunning blunder from Joe Biden to essentially say, yeah, Putin shouldn't be running that country anymore. Maybe somebody should do something about it. Well, this is what I think all of us are afraid of, Buck, which is when Biden goes off prompter and decides to go off script, he is one not in control of his own presidency because immediately they tried to clean up that mess that he created. And they even made it clear, I thought, Buck, which is rare, relatively speaking, that he had gone off script. It's as if the Biden White House is throwing the president, who ostensibly should be making the decisions about what's going on in his own administration, to the wolves and saying, oh, this was all him. This wasn't us. And it's troubling on a couple of different levels to me when I saw this come out on Saturday. One, we elect the president. And the president should be able to make choices about the direction of his administration. He's not doing that, Buck. This is, I really believe, a Ron Klain presidency. Ron Klain is the chief of staff in the White House. We know Kamala Harris isn't some uh, devious mastermind behind the scenes pulling strings to end up as the uh, orchestrating uh, power there. It's Ron Klain. So we have elected someone as president of the United States that his own staff does not trust to make his own decisions. And two, Buck, they talk to us as if we are imbeciles in the way that they immediately responded when they put this statement out and then came back and said effectively, oh, you know, this was uh, this was not, let me, t- even though you just heard explicitly what he said and we just played it, that wasn't what he was trying to say. This is scary. I mean, this is scary that they, 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 they don't trust him to do anything other than read the prompter, and he's not certainly drafting these speeches. Somebody else is. He is a default uh, non-president already at this point. Well, for so many years now, the media's played this game where all of the Biden blunders have an excuse, because there's a lot of them, all of yes. the things that he says. And whether it's something that's offensive or something that is that is problematic from a policy side of things or something that has greater impact than just saying things that would get a Republican in a whole heap of trouble, they say Biden has a stutter or they say, oh, that's just old Joe being Joe or they come up with all these things. Many of us have been saying Joe Biden's a buffoon and has been for a very long time. And now he's a buffoon who is way past the point in his life in terms of energy and mental clarity where he should be in this position. We've seen this playing out now since he he took the presidency. And when you have Vladimir Putin and a major war, I mean, this is full scale war we're talking about. We're seeing day in and day out in Ukraine. These things matter. Um, if Donald Trump had been the commander in chief and in the same set of circumstances had made a comment like that, they would absolutely the New York Times, Washington Post would be calling for the 25th Amendment, the invocation of it. Oh, my gosh, he's a he's a clear and present danger. His mental fitness for office puts us at risk of nuclear annihilation. Everybody listening to this knows that is what they would be saying with Joe Biden. It's oh, that's just that's just Joe being Joe. Meanwhile, there's. Ongoing negotiations between or or their elevated negotiations between Zelensky, the president of Ukraine and Putin, the president of the Russian Federation for a neutrality status, a essentially come up with a deal to stop the bombs and the bullets so that no more people are being killed there, which is that that's the first order of business. But what, what Biden did by saying this is clearly unhelpful to that ultimate goal of let's get the war to stop. It almost feels like Biden's is rebelling against his own managers, right? And Buck, you know this as someone who has paid attention to politics for a long time. Oftentimes what ends up happening is older people are political officials, men and women, and then almost all of their staff are in their 20s and early 30s. And so there's a staggering generational divide on its face between the average politician. I mean, think about it. Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell... Uh, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, all of the people in incredibly high levels of uh, political authority right now 
are old, right? And they're 70s or above. And there are all sorts of interesting conversations we can have about what the impact of that might be. But it felt like to me this was Joe Biden on some level rebelling against his handlers. And I understand he gets wrapped up in the rhetoric that he's reading. But this is such an egregious failure because the entire speech, I think he spoke, Buck, for 27 minutes. Nobody talked about anything other than those final, I think it was nine words that he added at the end, which changed the entire tenor scope and uh, and, 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 and entire intent of that speech. And it's just, it's wild. To your point on the 25th Amendment, we heard about Trump needing to be replaced all the time for the 25th Amendment. Biden is so far beyond, from a mental faculty perspective, where Trump was. He's a mess. And I think the libs in the media, I think the journos are frustrated with Biden because this was the moment for them from a domestic political perspective. Ukraine was the moment where they got to shift the narrative away from all of the failures and present Biden and so much of foreign policy writing and analysis and news reporting is just people almost wish casting their their perception of what you know Joe Biden on the world stage making us proud how, how? by reading speeches yeah, right. and what you know there's so much of this that they just get to frame it the way that they want to and this is why journos uh generally get very interested in in presenting their foreign policy credentials and their version of events Joe Biden here was supposed to have in the and I'm talking about from the mind of the democrat media apparatus a moment where he would be the steady hand. He would show everybody how this is his moment. And I do think there's frustration, Clay, real frustration among the journalists who voted for him, who, who you know, they're all Democrats, they're leftists, etc. because he's not actually getting some Biden bump in this moment. You've pointed out, you know, he's he's not, you know, Zelensky's right hand man in terms of the polling and how it would reflect that Biden's right there with him and he's helping fight all this back. Here was Chuck Todd on the uh, Sunday show talking about an NBC News poll. This is where Biden is at approval rating, folks. Forty percent. Play it. By a fairly large 71 to 28 percent margin, Americans say they do not have a lot of confidence in President Biden's ability to respond to this war. Fifty seven percent say we are already at war with Russia or will be within a year. A very pessimistic view. 34% disagree. What's more, 68% would prefer Mr. Biden make the economy his top priority, compared with just 29% who want him to focus on ending this war. Overall, President Biden's job approval stands at just 40%, with 55% disapproving. This is his worst showing yet in our poll since he became president. They thought he'd get a, he'd get a bump from his leadership on this issue, Clay, and rallying NATO the bump has not materialized because of the bumps Biden has had along the way. Yeah, and to your point, Buck, this was supposed to be Joe Biden's West Berlin, Ronald Reagan, tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev moment. This was supposed to be, this trip was supposed to elevate Biden to make arguments on behalf of American democracy around the world in an iconic fashion. The speech location, if you watched it, was all stagecraft perfect. And when Biden stepped off the stage, all anyone wanted to talk about was his real clear call for regime change. And, Buck, I want to hit you with, we've been talking a lot about um, how long this ongoing failure of the Biden administration can continue and whether it's likely to continue all the way into the midterms. I read over the weekend a really fascinating article from a historical perspective that I want to hit you with some of the details on about how when Americans make their minds up, how difficult it is to get them to change their mind over a six-month period, even as we run up towards the midterms. I think you're going to hear this data, and you're going to be like, hmm, this is interesting. Uh, in the meantime, Pure Talk, now providing great cell phone service to more Americans than ever before, including... Many of you in this audience today, exact same 5G network as the big guys, but at half the cost. You keep your phone, you keep your cell phone number, and you keep close to 50 or 60 additional dollars a month from what you're spending now. Makes perfect sense to both of us. When we first learned of Pure Talk, an easy argument to make the switch. 
everybody trying to save money right now. Well, we're talking about 7.9% inflation. And right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. How do you sign up? From your cell phone, dial pound 250, say pure talk. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. You can be switched over to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. How do you do it? Grab your phones right now. Dial pound 250. Say Pure Talk. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. It would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Go subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Let's set an all-time record in March. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I spent the entire weekend, Little League Baseball season, officially back underway. That was fun. Uh, at the parks, although it's still pretty cold. We managed to beat Major League Baseball in getting back to baseball season here. Got the park games again for my first grader tonight. Got everybody to bed last night, Buck. All the boys were asleep. And I saw this clip because I hadn't, I used to love, I'm going to be honest, I used to love the Oscars. I like all big event shows that bring people together. This ties in with why I love sports. I just like the idea of everybody sort of communally watching big events. And over the past couple of years, I haven't seen any of the movies. Every year they got more and more woke. So I hadn't watched a minute. I hadn't watched a minute of the Oscars. When we, when we I used were to like it. coming of age, uh, the movies that would win, Clay, were things like Braveheart, my personal favorite all-time. Titanic. Gladiator. Which is Gladiator. my top ten, probably. Maybe yeah, even, great you know, Maybe even edging in the top five. Fantastic, timeless, super entertaining, just really well-made movies. Last night, all these movies, I'm like, oh, there's the woke angle. Oh, there's the woke yes. angle. I mean, you know, it just gets so tiresome, and everyone knows it. And I hate how stupid in social media. I know when I was growing up, and I'm sure this is the case for you too, Buck, and I'm sure for most of the people listening to us right now, everybody ridiculed actors and actresses who made political statements, and we all sort of rolled our eyes and thought, yeah, you dropped out of high school. You're probably not an expert on global warming or whatever the case may be that you were arguing for. 
And then when social media happened, that all flipped and it turned into, oh, we have to take these people really seriously because they're using their platforms to make the world a better place. And what you see is how often these people are imbeciles that have no actual knowledge of what's going on. And so right, I turned on the Oscars at 9.30, right before 9.30 my time, 10.30 Eastern, right before the slap heard around the world. But I saw this clip, because you sent it out, of Amy Schumer and uh, Wanda Sykes. There were three women who were kind of the guest host, if you want to call it that. And this was evidently from their opening monologue. And I just immediately rolled my eyes because everybody in the whole arena, the Dolby Theater there, went crazy over this complete and total lie about the Florida uh, bill that keeps kindergarten through third graders from actually being taught about sex. Listen to this. We're going to have a great night uh, tonight. And for you people in Florida, we're going to have a gay night. Gay, gay. First of all, what is this even so for you people? I'm in Florida right now. Yes, randomly, uh, as we talk about this. For so you, you were one of the one of the people in Florida she was talking about. Um, for the people Maybe. in Florida, I want to know why why are they so even even if you believe that this bill has some anti LGBTQ connotation, why cast aspersions on which it does not, by the way? But why cast aspersions on the entire state of Florida and everyone who lives here? This is the part of it that I for you for you Florida bigots, it's like, well, hold on a second, wait, wait, what? But also, it just goes to sh- like, did you see what I'm saying? Like, why why yeah. are they it's like rubbing this in the face of Floridians as if? I mean, how many people even in the state where the bill was passed until recently even knew this was making its way through the legislature? Almost half the state, unfortunately, is Democrat. So, like, there's a lot of libs and leftists and announce their pronoun people living in Florida, obviously. And so what was that even all about, Clay? But it just What is a gay award show even different than a straight award show? Like, there isn't a best gay actor, right? I mean, so even the concept of we're going to have a really gay night, like, so... How is it? How is it different well, it's, it's, than any it's other? It's because year? just saying the word has become this. Look, it's battle so, cry, it's, folks. You, you see that? Yeah, exactly. It's similar. It's putting the Ukrainian flag as your profile photo on Twitter if you're a blue check journo. It's like just you know, slow your roll a little bit, okay? You know, unless you're like signing up and going over there. We, calm down. It's wearing a mask. It's it's easy and cheap virtue for people who believe in these kinds of momentary mass movements. So, you know, if you say gay, you're being some kind of a rebel. And what? There's no bill that says you can't say gay. It's nothing anti-gay about it. But beyond that, uh, this is just another moment where you see there are people who will latch on to whatever allows them to virtue signal to their peers in the moment. And then they really expect that we're going to think that they're brave for this. I was having a conversation, speaking of virtue signaling, with someone over uh, there in the hiring process. And a lot of people in their email signatures now have their preferred pronouns there. It's all over the is, place. I mean, I, 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 I mean, first of all, the number one way that you could probably guarantee that I will not hire you at Outkick is if you have your pronouns in an email that you or resume that you send to me. Like, I just don't care no, what I mean, your that, preferred that pronouns is, are, unless it's some. So the problem is now, and I know this from friends of mine who work in big corporate, like the biggest, you know, the, the companies yes. that you think of in New York City, uh, who some of them are secret conservatives, and so, you know, I have to protect their identity. Um, yeah, but right. they'll tell you that they actually feel pressure to do it because just like with so many other things, just like with masks, Clay, it's not, oh, it's just a personal preference thing. It's, what do you mean you're not going to put your pronouns in your email signature now? So people that just want to do their jobs and go about their lives, believe it or not, are doing it and then they, and then the left wing acolytes, you know, the real lunatics are saying, see, everybody's doing it because they, this is how it happens. This is how the left gets their way with these things. Uh, but there's a lot of people announcing, announcing their pronouns. Um, and, and this is now, this is a commonplace thing. Clay, I, I, I caught heat because I made a joke about milk over the weekend on Twitter and how I went to a Who couple of Who in coffee- the world was offended by your milk joke? Tons of blue checks. Tons of them. <laughs> They are total. They're total. I saw that. I saw that joke, and I was like, "Yeah, you're in the South. People just get milk in their coffee." I just, I just went to a couple coffee shops. I said, "Hey, can I? What do you want? A coffee with milk?" I'm like, "Great." I have made joke, made jokes in the past about as a New Yorker. Now it is, 
the coffee shop that when I'm not drinking my black rifle, which I love, but sometimes I'm on the move and I happen to not have it, uh, I will go in and I'll say, hey, you know, can I, have, can I have coffee? And they'll say, and I'll say milk and they'll ask me which kind. Now, all the idiot blue checks out there are saying, oh, I'm sorry, capitalism that you love so much is giving you all these options to which I want to say to them. I'm not saying you can't get the other milks. I'm just saying if you want oat milk, you should just specify oat milk. But if you just say milk in the English language, that should mean the stuff that comes out of a cow in the context of a coffee shop. It's also known as a joke. Like, I'm not actually upset about this. I was just kidding. Clay, dozens of journalists working for, you know, whatever the the lib newspaper is in Jacksonville and all the, oh, yeah, we have lots of milk down here too, Mr. Fancy. I'm like, (laughs) what is wrong with you people? But you know what it is? They know that I'm somebody who makes fun of their stupid announcing of the pronouns. They know that I make fun of their dumb mask. They just hate me. And so when they see an opportunity to be like, that's what ends up happening. It's also whatever you say on social media, people get so fired up. I remember years ago, I went on and I was like, I'm a big cobbler guy, right? Not in terms of making my own shoes, as in I love cobbler. And by the way, Blackberry cobbler, in my humble opinion, greatest of the cobblers, right? And so I was like, at some point I was like, hey, I think the best dessert is cobbler. And people got so angry. They were like, cobbler sucks. I hate, you know, it's like it didn't matter. And that's why to a large extent, I don't really read dimensions for whatever. People get in arguments with each other and everything else. I give my opinion and then I kind of just let the battle take place. But it's crazy how opinionated people are about things that are very innocuous, right? That don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. People want to, like, knock you out over it. Just so people know, like, what what you deal with, you know, in Clay and Buck world, uh, you know, the two of us and other people who do this too, you know, I can say something like, I think... Um, you know, I think that, uh, what's the, that green bean casserole is the worst Thanksgiving side, let's say. Let's just yes. say I said that. Maybe it's a strong I'm argument, by the way, uh, in my opinion. I don't know. I'm not I, a green right. bean Pe- guy. Yeah. People, people are going to come at me on that one. But instead of just saying, <laughs> I disagree, this is the way, this is the world of political discourse now online. Instead of some, someone saying, I disagree, green bean casserole is delicious. They're like, why are you so ugly and stupid? Your mother should be ashamed of you. It's just like, well, well, can we, you know what I mean? Like, can we just, and I know, I'm sure you deal with this in sports too sometimes. Like, you you push for the wrong team, you say a player shouldn't get an amount of money, and people completely lose their minds. Yeah, that's why politics, people say with the transition from sports to politics, when you have picked a team in a Southeastern Conference football rivalry to beat another team, there's nothing people can say. Like, when you pick Alabama or Auburn, there's nothing, Georgia, Auburn, you know, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, Georgia. You pick one side or the other there. There's nothing that anybody can say to you in the world of politics that is angrier or meaner than what they say when you pick against their favorite college football team. So, I mean, I, I got to have really thick skin, but it is funny to me how angry people get about, you know, just a simple opinion like yours. Hey, it's great that we just have normal milk. And we don't have all these uh, crazy milk substitutes. I, I could, to have I to could read. Them. I mean, I, I have like professors from a university, uh, some professor from like a university in Korea. Uh, obviously, he's uh, an, an American who's teaching over there. He's lecturing me on how this is uh, evidence of my closed mindedness, which is a trait of conservative. I'm like, what is wrong with everybody? <laughs> Why do the blue checks get so much angrier at you than they do me? Well, like that, the, the, I you're can the barely get a blue check guy. to come Everyone after loves me. the sports guy. You're sports. Just, you're fun. I'm sitting here talking about crushing libs with perfect hair, so they hate me. <laughs> they hate me. Anyway. All right. Here we go. Actually, the biggest criticism too. you've gotten on the show was for your Simone Biles take back in the Summer Olympics, probably. The left went nuts on me over that. Yeah. yeah but that yeah. was... You know, that was like you invited me to the frat party and we're like, don't worry, you can drink the juice out of this big bin and it doesn't have much booze in it. Like you led me down the path on that yeah, one. That was I got ever in clear. Trouble. That was ever clear. Yeah, I got I got in bad, bad shape. All right. You'll be a cell phone customer for life, right? Which cell phone carrier you choose to use is up to you. We like the service and the pricing of Pure Talk. Their cell service is the exact same 5G network as the big guys, the better-known companies, Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T, but their pricing is different. It's about half the monthly cost for the same quality. Why? 
because Pure Talk doesn't have the costly overhead. No retail stores, no stadium sponsorships. Pure Talk's got a big team of customer service people on staff, and they're all here in the U.S., even with a big, uh, even with a big team to help you out on great customer service. Pure Talk will still save you about 50 bucks or more a month. When you switch over, you keep your same phone number, your same phone. There's a small SIM card you'll swap out. It takes 10 minutes time total. You're up and running on the Pure Talk system without so much as missing a single phone call. Join Pure Talk and only pay for the service you need and want. Like unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say Pure Talk. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. Dial pound 250, say Pure Talk. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Welcome back to the Clay and Buck Show. You know, there was a controversy of sorts swirling around uh, media and entertainment before even we got to the Oscars. It's one that actually has to do with the law and is, I think, very much heightened by the desire of the left to find whatever method of attack possible for the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Uh, and I'm currently in North Florida, and I can tell you a lot of people here are very proud of their governor and what he has done over the course of the pandemic in particular, but but also scoreboard don't lie, as they say, and the hundreds of thousands of people who have moved to Florida from Democrat enclaves like my own home state and city of New York, uh, there's a reason for that. We're all aware of this, and it has to do with Quality of life, taxation, regulation, COVID policies, just general governance, not being ruled by lunatics. That's a good start. Not being ruled by people who live in a alternative universe. And we will talk about Biden's request in his budget for um, one, a billionaire's tax. We'll probably get into that tomorrow, but also a lot of funding for police. Oh, oh, wait a second. You mean the people that were telling you that undermining the cops and cutting the police budgets on the right we're right the whole time, and these psycho libs running around acting like cops are all racist and bad and killing unarmed black men, and there's no consequence, and it's awful, and they do it all the time. The people that were running around in hysterics and then justifying not only, of course, a lot of lar- large gatherings during the COVID uh, early days of the COVID pandemic, but also the riots that came along with it, the destruction of property and the general lawlessness, they were all wrong. We'll get into more of that tomorrow. But right now, uh, there's still the ongoing fight that the left is they're doubling down on this one, Clay, over the the parent. We have to use the proper name of the bill, please. This is the left. One thing, Clay, one thing. And this is a little bit of digression. But you and I both know this. They are better at control of language. They force us to use the terms they like. Perfect example of this is undocumented now, which I even hear. Cons- I hear people who are pretty pro border security and rule of law say yeah we've got to there's too many undocumented coming in i'm like wait wait a second the federal the federal criminal term is illegal alien right yeah do and this this is even even with the pronoun battle we see this it's then then once you've said someone's a he when they're a she or a she when they're a he everything else is kind of yeah, it's just details. Right? It, it gets complicated on the he, she thing because we get that all the time. I try to say the pen transgender swimmer, just a transgender swimmer, somebody who's not the biology that they are reflecting. But it is complicated, right? And they do a great job of continuing to hammer home until you start to accept whatever language that they want to use. And I would say this, you know, because and this is this is fair. And we'll tell you the truth here. If, uh, you know, I. I know a couple of uh, trans people in real life. Would I refuse to their face to use their? This is where it gets difficult. Would I? Would I want to give them offense by using a pronoun in front of them that I? You know. Then now we get to the everyone deserves courtesy and decency comment, right? But in news commentary, when it's about the facts and it's about what is true, should you use the preferred pronoun of somebody who claims they're a different pronoun from their actual biology? So I, I will say there is a, there are some la- layers of complexity there. And the same thing also with, you know, to say someone's an illegal alien is not it's not supposed to be. It should not be thought of as a pejorative on that person as a as a person. It's just their legal status in the country right now. Right. It doesn't mean. But you know, so, you know, there's a lot of ways we could have discussions about use of language. But the left controls language. And in the case of the don't say gay bill, that is just a a fabrication, essentially, of the left to attack what is a parental rights and education bill in Florida. So every time we say don't say gay, 
we're playing into the political narrative here, which is that that's what the bill does when it clearly does not. Disney, and this is what we wanted to get to, Disney is even more strongly uh, taking a stand on this than it had before. Going into the Oscars, there were stories about how there was, quote, chaos here, according, and this is, and there was some discussion, we talked about it with some of the uh, uh, MCs of the event bringing it up. And so this was on the minds of a lot of people in the media. Florida's HB 1557, according to Disney's official Twitter account, also known as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Can I just note, Clay, why not say the Parental Rights and Education? That's the name of the bill. They give right. the HB 1557 and then don't actually give the name of the bill. Isn't that so interesting? But they give the Don't Say Gay Bill, which is what the activists say, should never have been passed and should never have been signed into law. Our goal as a company is for this law to be repealed by the legislature or struck down in the courts. We remain committed to supporting the national and state organizations working to achieve that. We are dedicated to standing up for the rights and safety of LGBTQ plus members of the Disney family, as well as the LG, the, the, the community in Florida across the country. Um, I have friends in the LG, in, in the community, uh, who think that this is appalling, that this is appalling that they're making this, making this claim. The, the, the pretend notion that, uh, that, you know, adults from the LGBTQ community are outraged at the notion of not teaching gender identity to kindergartners. This is a win. And, and I think what it reflects is the desperation in the wake of Glenn Youngkin's victory in Virginia and in the wake of parents, to their credit, all over the country getting involved in what their kids are being taught in public schools. And if you look at the actual polling data, Buck, the overwhelming majority of people out there, parents, support kids not being taught about sexuality in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade. And it's totally a ridiculous, desperate attempt to try and come up with a fat with a reason that they can try and put on to Ron DeSantis to beat him this November. Because did you see there was a there was a column in the New York Times over the weekend that DeSantis is a scarier version of Donald Trump? Because that's the argument. Charles Blow, I believe, in the New York Times over the weekend said, and I, you know, kind of have to laugh as I'm reading through it because I know what the arguments are going to be. But the argument was Trump was at times undisciplined in the way that he applied what he believes in. Whereas DeSantis and other Southern governors, red state governors that they're attacking are more effective. That's the argument of the New York Times, that they are more effective versions of Donald Trump in terms of implementing policy. Now, that is the attack that they are going to try and tar and feather. Trump, I believe, is going to run in 2024. But for years into the future, regardless of what happens with Trump, every Republican is going to get attacked as the next version of Donald Trump, a scarier well, version no, of always, Donald it, Trump. It, it always will be worse. Angle. It'll always be yes. worse than Trump, Clay, and wh whoever the candidate really may be. And I think this is because they've all, they also recognize they got the the mainstream of the Democrat. I wouldn't say the mainstream nationally, but the you know the sort of center of the Democrat Party was fed a steady media diet for for four years of Donald Trump is a fascist, a Russian puppet. I mean, they a, a rapist. I mean, they said there was almost white nothing a traitor, a white supremacist. There was almost nothing that they could say that's truly defamatory that they didn't say. There's no lie that was too low, no lie that was too destructive for them. So they're going to have to find a way to make it seem like the next GOP standard bearer, and again, I agree with that. I think Trump is going to run, but I mean, even in the next, you know, because then they'll be, let's say Trump wins. The Santos may, may run against him, right? I mean, we don't know what the actual competition is going to look like on either the Democratic or the Republican side, but make no mistake, Buck, this is, I, I believe this is part and parcel of an attempt to try to attack and tar and feather Ron DeSantis. Of course. As he is rising up because he's a young guy and he's going to be in Republican why. politics for years. That's why this bill has gotten so much attention and the reason why a state, I mean, think about this, all these people who live, I mean, the Hollywood folks, they live in California overwhelmingly, and I know they have a lot of houses in a lot of places, but these is, it's a mostly L.A. and New York City audience out there at the Academy Awards, Yes, and they're so concerned with a bill in the state of Florida, and so much so that they, 
kind of take a swipe at all Floridians at the Oscars. I mean, if, whatever. There's Floridians who are, I think, wrongly going out and and protesting the bill because they say it's so awful. So though the whole thing is is really an absurdity, but it is about a, a getting after Ron DeSantis. And I think this is because, as I was saying, the they made everyone so so fearful and hateful toward Trump that if they don't say the next person's worse than Trump, at some level it may seem like the GOP is is taking a more moderate centrist path, and and they can't allow that because power is all that matters to these commies. So they'll come up with, oh, this person's even worse than Trump because, God forbid, someone thinks that the GOP just wants to elect somebody, put Trump aside for a second, would elect somebody who is good at governance and not actually, you know, the, the worst person since Stalin or whatever they were saying about Trump. We need to talk too, Buck. We talked some last week about the Utah don't uh, the transgender bill because uh, we talked at the top of this hour. If you guys missed it, with uh, Riley Gaines, who's a swimmer at the University of Kentucky, one of the few women who's been willing to speak out against biological men competing against women, uh, as occurred with the Penn transgender swimmer. But this discussion has become very, uh, very charged all over the nation. The governor of Utah voted against requiring kids to compete against their biological uh, peers. And the legislature in Utah, to their credit, overruled that governor's veto, which is going to become, I think, more and more of a cultural flashpoint, not only in 22 and 24. want to fill you in a bit on that. But first, what you got for us, Buck? Living without pain is an important goal. Most of the time, there's a path and a remedy to get there so that you can live a fuller life, but you have to know what it is. It's why we speak to you about Relief Factor. This is a solution that we've seen work in our own lives. Mrs. Travis is a big exercise enthusiast, and Relief Factor helps with recovery from exertion after a really serious exercise. My dad is a habitual golfer, and the ingredients in Relief Factor go to the source of inflammation, so he's able to play 18 holes several times a week now and doesn't have the same kind of aches and pains. Our friends at Relief Factor have developed a three-week quick start pack. You take Relief Factor three times a day at breakfast, lunch, and dinner for three weeks, and you'll know if it works for you or not. Created by doctors and perfected over 15 years of scientific research, Relief Factor is a 100% drug-free product that was made for you. Hundreds of thousands of people have tried, and nearly 70% of them have gone on to order more. Those are amazing odds, indicating just how many people find a solution to a pain-free life with Relief Factor. If it works for 7 out of 10 people, will it work for you? Is it worth a try? Absolutely. Join the more than half a million people and order the three-week quick start for only nineteen ninety-five. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Get the nineteen ninety-five three-week quick start developed for you. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome in. Hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We are rolling along on this Monday. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a moment. You can search out my name, Clay Travis, or Buck Sexton. We have talked about a ton of topics, as we always do. But I think you guys are really going to enjoy our only guest here for Monday's edition of the program. She is Riley Gaines, a senior swimmer at the University of Kentucky. She tied with Leah Thomas, biological man who has decided to identify as a woman in the 200-yard freestyle NCAA swimming championships. Uh, And this is... There's so many interesting topics to discuss. But first of all, Riley, I want to say thank you for coming on and actually being willing to discuss this because so many people uh, who are women swimmers have been afraid to say what they really believe about this issue. So I want to start uh, with this. What, in your experience, was it like to swim against a biological man who was identifying as a woman and what did your fellow competitors think about that experience? You are a senior. Theoretically, this was the end of your college swimming career. What was it like to be down in Atlanta in the last uh, couple of weeks competing there? Right. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I've been super excited to talk about it. Um, but, you know, kind of leading up to the meet, um, I wasn't really too sure what to expect, you know. Getting there, you know racing and stuff, what kind of environment it would be, um, how people would feel about it. Because like you said, so many girls hadn't really mentioned how they felt or, you know, their true feelings going into the meet. And so I was just so curious. And then, you know, getting there and racing, um, I got to talk to other competitors and stuff and see how they felt. And I definitely realized who the silent majority um, in this whole issue is. And so, uh, it was a bit disheartening, you know, watching it. Um, the day before I competed, I watched Leah swim the 500 freestyle, which is an event I was not in. Um, and it was really just heartbreaking, you know, seeing the girls get ninth and 17th place. Um, but then the next day going into it, my race, it just felt defeating um, before you even raced, really, which is not a feeling I'm, I'm used to. So, Hey, Riley, it's it's Buck. I, I'm wondering, as, as you're saying this about, about the, the silent majority on this issue, do you come across any of your peers, uh, female swimmers, who really think that this situation is fair, or is it almost entirely the recognition that there are you know, adults out there, media outlets, NCAA bureaucrats, etc., who may come down on them for speaking out. So, so essentially, is the is the silence of many on this issue uh, just a function of their fear of the consequences for speaking out, as you are right now, or are do you come across female swimmers who honestly believe that Leah Thomas does not have a biological advantage and that this is fine? Um, I. I haven't personally talked to anyone who does not think she has a biological advantage because I, I think there's no denying that um, there are swimmers who are more supportive of it, but there's definitely um, the vast majority, you know, don't think it's, it's fair to women who, you know, have been in terms of, you know, the past century, you know, historically oppressed um, where a lot of people will use the argument that transgenders are, oppressed well you know so have uh, have women been and so i would say that a lot of people do kind of have this fear of speaking out especially in today's culture where it's just so easy to get you know canceled as they say um which is something that can affect 
your future career, um, all kinds of things. And so people don't want to get, you know, dragged down with that. We're talking to Riley Gaines, University of Kentucky senior swimmer who competed against Leah Thomas, transgender swimmer at the NCAA championships. Riley, what is the process like? And I believe I saw you comment on this in a Daily Wire article. Do you guys share dressing rooms? Do you share locker rooms with uh, a biological male who identifies as a woman in advance of the competitions or after the competitions? And if so, how awkward is that given the history, obviously, of women's competitors having women's locker rooms and men's competitors having men's locker rooms? Right. Uh, So the meet this last week was an all-female meet, and so there wasn't even a male locker room opportunity because there are no, you know, males on deck. And so going into the meet, we were all curious what the situation would be. And so we were just told that we could all um, use that locker room, which is, you know, not a norm um, sharing locker rooms like that. And so it was a bit shocking that, you know, that was allowed. That's a whole different issue within itself. Um, And so I would say we were all extremely surprised and, you know, uncomfortable with that because there are girls who that's not something they would agree to doing, um, you know, to consent to. And so it just seems like. So, so sorry to cut you off here, but I just want to to build on this a little bit. So you have a biological man who is allowed to come into the locker room that you guys are in preparing to compete, getting ready to swim. And he is using the same locker room as you guys are and if so what is the reaction in the locker room because historically if a man walks into a women's locker room i mean that's a crime in many jurisdictions for virtually everyone out there listening this is just normalized as oh he's going to be able to use the locker room because he identifies as a woman and you're not allowed to say or do anything to disagree with that uh right i i think the ncaa um you know, did make it seem like it was something that, oh, just we'll we'll just all share locker rooms. But you know, there are so many girls who, you know, even face have faced sexual assault, and this kind of thing can be traumatic on, on just so many different no levels. And so, going into that locker room the first day, um, and you know, kind of seeing Leah in there, it, it was just silent. Really, um, I think it just took all of us by just complete and utter shock. Really. We're speaking to Riley Gaines. She was a senior at the University of Kentucky. She was a swimmer who tied with Leah Thomas at the NCAA Swimming Championship in the 200-yard freestyle back on the 18th of March. Riley, do you feel like the conversation is changing now? I mean, essentially, after this Leah Thomas situation, um, is it now, you think, trending toward this will become the norm when there's a transgender swimmer or is the pushback growing to the point where there will be a different approach and as somebody who has swam for many years competed at the highest level of the ncaa in your sport what do you think would be a fair policy here what do you think should happen right um i think since the article i released with the daily wire came out more females have been willing to speak up but there's just still so many who you know, don't want to face that backlash. And so I'm not sure what the future looks like, but I do know the NCAA um, president, Mark Emmert, I believe his name is, um, released a statement today saying they pretty much unequivocally and firmly stand with, you know, what the the rules have been in place. And so um, I believe every, every athlete deserves to compete if they want, no matter what you know, category you may fall in. I mean, I believe everyone should be treated with respect and dignity, but there's a reason why Olympians don't compete with Paralympians. And there's a reason why, you know, you don't have collegiate athletes on a 12 and under team. And so there's just these divisions that, and these boundaries that have to be made for things to, you know, remain fair. And it's not a political argument. It's not any hate towards one person or one group. Um, but it's just a matter of fairness and, and what's just real right. quick, have, have any administrators or staff personnel, anybody tried to coerce your opinions on this? You tried to say, hey, watch out, or you shouldn't do this, or has anyone threatened uh, consequences for you at the university for speaking out? I'm, I'm just wondering where the pressure might be coming from. Uh, no, I, my university um, specifically, 
um, you know, has offered me a ton of support and they want to protect me and want to make sure, you know, that I know what I'm doing and I don't put myself in some sort of pickle, but they've been extremely supportive and I'm super duper thankful for that. Um, but I know there have been some girls from universities, um, even some parents have reached out to me saying that coaches and athletic directors and, um, you know, SIDs have told their swimmers that they're not allowed to say anything, um, no matter how they feel. And so it just really kind of puts this, you know, barricade up for so many athletes who have a voice and want to use it but are scared of, you know, repercussions, whether that may be within your institution or, um, you know, like I said earlier, your future career endeavors. And so I do believe there's, you know, kind of this big wall up. Riley, I'm assuming you started swimming at a super young age before you obviously went to the University of Kentucky. You're a senior now. Do you think, and first of all, again, congrats to you for having the bravery to speak out, but do you think about what women's sports could look like in the future? And thank you for coming on the show. When we're talking about one transgender athlete right now, but in theory, there will be more in the years ahead. We had, and speaking to your point about women not wanting to speak out, several of the UPenn women's team uh, members reached out to the site that I run, OutKick, and uh, they said we're not allowed to put our actual names on it because they've told us we're not allowed to speak, basically, on this issue. Uh, but several of those girls said, if we had three or four transgender people on a swim team, it destroys women's sports in many ways. Are you concerned about the future of women's athletics in general as more biological men decide to identify as women? And where could that lead if it continues to grow? Yeah, for sure. I think this, you know, opens a whole can of worms seeing a biological male win a national title um, against Olympians, really. And so I think it just opens a whole nother door um, to a whole different realm. And it is it does put women's athletics and women's sports in total danger, really. Um, And I think if the NCAA doesn't recognize that, um, I, I think they're there will be a big consequence for women. Riley Gaines. Riley, thank you so much for speaking uh, on this issue, your bravery on it. We appreciate people uh, telling the truth about what's actually going on who are experiencing it themselves. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, guys. That is Riley Gaines, University of Kentucky senior swimmer. Buck, that is super bravery if you consider how many people have the exact same opinion from her. Uh, We'll open up phone lines. You guys can react Uh, to that as well but the number of women who think exactly what she does in the world of sports that have been afraid to say what they really think i I don't think you can underrate the bravery that she is showing by speaking out under her own name and saying exactly what frankly i think the vast majority of americans believe as it pertains to this issue rapid inflation is rising interest rates we're all nearly eight percent on the inflation rate That means debt's going to get more expensive. But in the meantime, you need to be finding out whether you can save a bundle on your mortgage rates right now. Don't wait any longer. Get your phones in your hand, trust me, and call American Financing. Phone number 800-777-8109. That's 800-777-8109. You could save $1,000 a month. You might be able to skip a couple of mortgage payments. How much different could your life be if you had an extra $12,000 in your family's budget for the year? That's incredibly valuable. All it takes is a 10-minute phone call to find out how you could save a bundle, potentially six figures over the life of your loan. That's your money. You should be able to choose how you spend it. Go to AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. One more time, phones in hand, 800-777-8109. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.